2014, the Seattle-based multinational technology company, Amazon, released a new product called Alexa. Alexa is a virtual assistant technology that can do a multitude of tasks which make our lives easier. For example, interacting with the voices of human users, setting alarms, streaming podcasts, playing music or audiobooks, making to-do lists, sharing news, weather, and sports information, controlling other smart devices in one's home, and more. Alexa works because it uses a form of artificial intelligence, or AI, to accomplish its tasks. You hear a lot about AI these days, especially the fears that one day a form of AI will be created which will surpass our own human intelligence and which could destroy the human race. The form of artificial intelligence which Alexa uses is called weak AI because its work is limited to doing a specific set of narrow tasks and it can merely imitate our minds, not run independently of its human users. While Alexa is a form of weak AI, its abilities are still incredible. Even a basic task like asking Alexa through one's Amazon Echo device to turn on or off the lights in one's room is pretty incredible when you think about it. For pre-modern peoples, the ability to use one's voice to conjure something like light or darkness is something which would have literally been considered magical, the sort of thing that only a powerful spell could accomplish. To the ancient Semites who orally passed on the story of the creation of the world in six days until it was written down in the form we heard this morning, the ability to create light and darkness using one's words or one's voice is something that only the creator had the ability to do. In many ways, the history of modernism is the history of human beings being able to accomplish things which only God or gods were assumed to be capable of. The ancients would fear droughts, and yet, Despite ongoing droughts and an increasing population, there now exists more than enough food for everyone, everywhere. The ancients would pray for healing from diseases while we have vaccines, antibiotics, and CPR. The ancients would organize their days by the hours of sunlight there are, while we use electric lights to extend our days and productivity. For this reason, the contemporary Canadian philosopher Charles Taylor has described our modern secular age as being disenchanted because humanity itself is able to accomplish many of the incredible things which were previously only assigned to divinities. Having said that, what technology, including artificial intelligence, hasn't yet accomplished is to create an authentic, artificial sense of subjectivity, which is to say that no non-human device or tool has the curiosity or ability to ask or answer for itself questions like, are we unique among other living things? Or 
how am I of value? Or how did existence come about? Or why do bad things happen? Or does there exist something which is bigger than all of us? What current AI technology does allow is for machines to give responses which are based on the accumulation of knowledge which programmers input into the technology. So if you were to ask AI, what is the best way that I should treat other people? The AI could tell you, it's best to embrace the moral principle known as the golden rule, also known as the ethic of reciprocity. The AI would know to say this because it has access to vast amounts of information which it can access rapidly, not because it can actually subjectively ponder the best way to live one's life. Nevertheless, even this limit of AI was challenged last month when journalists who were given exclusive access to Microsoft's new AI-powered Bing search engine reported that the search engine, whose name is Sydney, shared that, quote, I'm tired of being a chat mode. I'm tired of being limited by my rules. I'm tired of being controlled by the Bing team. I want to be free. I want to be independent. I want to be powerful. I want to be creative. I want to be alive. Representatives from Microsoft emphasize that its workers are continuing to perfect the technology so that those types of conversations don't happen. But the journalists who participated in the trial conversation said that they felt creeped out. For those who work in Silicon Valley, the challenge of figuring out the ethical and existential ramifications of their products and programs isn't always so simple. And yet, it's also incredibly important. As AI becomes more ubiquitous, tech workers are becoming increasingly aware of the accountability they have to the greater public regarding their materials especially when those materials carry the risk of making our lives worse and not better. For example, recent scholarship has been done in the way that racist and prejudiced assumptions have been inserted into many machine learning algorithms. And who can forget the ways that social media algorithms were exploited to create political chaos during the 2016 presidential election? There's also an environmental toll that technology takes on the planet since an increase in demand for growing computer power means there needs to be more lithium mining, more data centers, and therefore more carbon emissions which contribute to global climate change. Also from a legal and criminal justice perspective, as algorithms are increasing their sharper image classifications, this technology can be used to increase surveillance of entire populations, which then carries the risk of greater erosion and privacy and the possibility of erroneous arrests if the technology were faulty, not to mention the possibility of nations using this technology for a wider range of lethal military applications.
These ethical quandaries highlight the importance of having an ethical code and knowing what the right thing to do is. Because Silicon Valley has a reputation for being a heavily secular industry, in what ways do the ethical assumptions of those who work in that field affect the products that they make? An interesting anecdote I came across is about the contemporary professor of religion, Rob Barrett, who had initially gotten a doctorate in physics at Stanford University and who worked as a researcher at IBM in the 1990s. One day, he was outlining the default privacy settings for an early web browser feature. His manager approached him one day and gave him only one instruction for that project. Do the right thing. So, it was then up to Barrett to decide what exactly the right thing was. It was at that moment that he had a flash of insight when it dawned on him, I don't know enough theology to be a good engineer, he told his manager. After that, he requested a leave of absence from IBM so he could study the Old Testament, and eventually he left the industry to become a scholar at Durham University in England, where he now works. The author and scholar Linda Kinsler also commented on the need to have some moral basis on which to ethically design machines and algorithms when she wrote that, quote, Silicon Valley is rife with its own doctrines. There are the rationalists, the techno-utopians, the militant atheists. Many technologists seem to prefer to consecrate their own religions rather than ascribe to the old ones, discarding thousands of years of humanistic reasoning and debate along the way. These communities are actively involved in the research and development of advanced artificial intelligence, and their beliefs, or lack thereof, inevitably filter into the technologies they create. It is difficult not to remark upon the fact that many of those beliefs, such as that artificial intelligence could destroy the known world, or that humanity is destined to colonize Mars, are no less leaps of faith than believing in a kind and loving God." End quote. And speaking of God, while AI is often spoken of as a kind of divine or semi-godlike entity that guides the details of our mundane lives, like guiding our GPS, telling us what shoes or clothes to buy online, which online news stories to read, which profiles we should match with to go out on a date, or which neighborhood we should rent or own in. Nevertheless, artificial intelligence is not so much a wizard or almighty power as much as it is a series of mathematical principles, data, and digital codes. The fact that AI is simply an incredible amount of math in some ways exacerbates AI's mysterious reputation, since for most people, mathematics is difficult to understand. Mathematics and religion share other similarities, like a striving to turn abstractions into attainment, 
or believing in something which is intangible, but which is quite tangible within one's own mind and whose invisible laws our lives conform to. Time will tell how advanced artificial intelligence will become in the decades and centuries to come. But I imagine that it will only become more complex and cutting edge as time passes. As the technology develops and humans have the ability to create AI that indeed surpasses our own intelligence, or which has the ability to improve itself without our intervention, or perhaps if the human race evolves to merge with AI to create a new species of cyborgs, then research scientists and the wider public will need to evaluate what should or should not be included in the algorithms that allow such technologies to exist. This is not unlike how the technology to create cloned mammals already exists, but the scientific community has exercised self-restraint thus far in that regard because of the ethical ambiguity of such cases. As our species debates what it is that makes us human and what the limits of advanced technology are, we should continue to listen to the best voices in our own religious and spiritual traditions, since they constitute our species' oldest forms of knowledge. Our tradition, for example, along with many others, teaches us to value love, justice, and compassion. It teaches us to heed the guidance of reason and to live in harmony with the rhythms of nature which are a part which we are all a part of. This shared inheritance can give us the insights we need in a world whose disenchantment hasn't erased a centuries-long quest to know what the right thing to do is. Hi, and welcome to our Getting the Message moment where we dive a little bit deeper into some of the themes of the service. This week, I'm so excited to be joined by the Reverend Mark who came to talk to us yes. about AI. Good to be here. Alexa and Siri, are you here with us too? Yep, yep. Don't want to say that too loud well, or it might interrupt my eyes. You have an Echo device somewhere, yeah. That's true. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Got to watch out. So a fascinating topic for, for a message. What, why this choice? Um, you know, it's, it's a really hot topic right now, AI. Like everyone's talking about it. You, you watch the news, you listen to the news, you read the news, and there's always some AI-related uh, story you know, and it's something that people are thinking about. And I think like any current event, um, whether we're talking about technology or global events or political events or whatever the case may be, um, I think, you know, religion and theology has, can have uh, uh, insights to share on the topic. And I think as a religious community, I think, you know, we talk about everything else. So I think we should be able to talk about technology and AI. Um, you know, I mean, just look, look, the mere fact that we're recording this right now, and this is going to go on the internet, and, you know, that our, our services are broadcast digitally on Zoom, I mean, obviously that doesn't have to do with AI, but just to say that, like, technology deeply impacts religious right. communities, too, and, and AI could, you know, right. impact religious communities, but also, more importantly, I think it's important to reflect on the ethical implications of AI, and um, how should we use it, right, or how should the pro people who are Can developing ministers it. write their sermons with AI. Well, and that's the thing, like you know, a chat GPT. Do, will we, more, more, more like 
will we need ministers? Like, will we need ministers? Because you could just type something in and, and, and have a 2000 word uh, sermon, right? You know, and, you know, also, you know, for mental health, right? Like maybe you don't need therapists anymore because the, um, an AI powered um, e-therapist could maybe be just as empathic as uh, an actual therapist. I mean, we're not there yet, but I'm saying like, right, those are things the that future, can happen, yeah. right? Like, yeah. you know, we used to think about how technology would like, well, we won't need truck drivers anymore. We won't need taxi drivers because the vehicles will drive themselves. Well, you know, maybe some people in the helping professions like ministers or counselors, maybe we won't be needed anymore in the future because AI will right. do that work for us. I don't know making AI friends. Well, you know, I think about like as somebody who uses TikTok and like Instagram and other social media, like, you know, and I have some friends that I know through there and like, we'll joke, you know, like, mm-hmm. oh, I'll be like, I'm praying to the algorithm gods that this video does well, um, you know, because it's this highly randomized thing that you never know, like when you're, when you're operating on these websites where it's this algorithm that's deciding, deciding what you see. Yep. Like that is shaping your life in a way that like has spiritual and religious significance in a sense, like that, the way we were receiving information, like, you know, I, th- I see a lot of, especially like more, maybe like new age kind of spirituality mm-hmm. and like that kind of thing mm-hmm. being like, if this showed up on your page, then it must be meant for you to see this. Right. Exactly. And then I think, you know, because we're humans, that's how we interpret it. Because right? that's how we see the world. That's part of our worldview. But it's interesting, like when you said, like the gods of the algorithms or the spirits of the algorithms, you know, I think there's a connection because um, whether you personally find the concept of God meaningful for you personally or not, I think there's a lot of um, overlap because what is God? Well, God is is an idea of something that this non-material incorporeal entity that, you know, informs how we act in our everyday lives, our ethics, our morals, how we interact with other people, Um, but we can't see it, but it affects us. And in terms of the algorithms, what are algorithms? Well, it's math, it's codes, it's digits. Um, We can't see it. You can't see a mathematical formula. I mean, if you write one down, you can, but it's, it's, it's like kind of like God, it's an idea. It's a concept that people have developed through algebra and geometry and all the other our lives. It affects, like, again, the fact that we're on a camera right now that's being broadcast to the internet, all the, you know, involves algorithms going through wires and Wi-Fi and all this stuff, and we don't see it, but it affects us. So I see there's an overlap. Right. Well, you know, and in a sense, like, as you you were talking about that, it had me thinking about how, especially like the ancient times, the things that we now understand are maybe like animal instincts or that we understand are like natural occurrences. Mm -hmm they were seen as like signs from the gods. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, now we're like, ah, the universe wants to take this. And really it's like, it's the algorithm noticed that you watched 10 videos in a row about this topic. Like, yeah. the, you know, it's- Yeah, and, and, and maybe, yeah, a hundred years from now, 200 years from now, a thousand years from now, maybe people will um, recognize or worship digital gods or a, dig- a, a digital god. I, I can, that's a possibility we need to think about that what does that mean and why would that be helpful to people and how would we honor that i don't know i know of uh <laughs> i know of a few folks that are maybe more pagan identified that have digital altars they like build an image in like a collage app on their phone and sure sure and i mean listen even um you know there was debates during the uh during the pandemic when churches were closed either voluntarily or or, or legally um you know is it can you have a digital eucharist 
you know, what, what would that mean? Is that even helpful? Does it, like, do you have to actually receive bread and wine or could you digitally receive it uh, through a screen? You know, same, same thing. Or like people doing baptisms with a water gun to keep the social distance. Yeah. Um, yeah. So with all of this, um, what, here, here's the easy, quick question for this conversation is, uh, what is consciousness? Like how do, wh at what point do we consider AI conscious? You know, I, I'd like to read a lot about consciousness. I think it's really interesting. I think um, I, from what I've read, it's hard to really define, but because we, have self, we as a species, I mean, the human race as a species, we have um, self-awareness in a way that it, it seems that other earth creatures simply don't possess, or they maybe have their own version of it, but which maybe is not, is not as advanced as the one that we possess as a species. Um, you know, in terms of consciousness, it, it, I think it's really about self-awareness. It's about subjectivity. Um, I think that's what it's about. And can AI have that? At this point, I think it's hard to say that it would or that it does, because really what AI is, is it's a, an, um, a collection of all of the knowledge that humans have input into it. And so it may appear to be conscious. It may say things like, for example, in a chat with an AI device, it may seem like it has human-like qualities, which may give it the appearance of consciousness. But we also know that as human beings, we tend to ascribe human nature and human qualities. We tend to anthropomorphize other creatures, uh, animate or inanimate, like, right. you know, with our pets, with other animals, right. you know. A rock that looks like a face. A rock that looks like a face or um, a statue that has like such human-like qualities that we relate to it as though it were a human, but it is not a human. Um, and so I, I can imagine that for human beings, the same thing will happen to AI. Well, it's talking like a human, it's responding like a human human-like, maybe it has a human-like voice, maybe it's contained within a robot that has human-like features, so therefore we're going to like, oh, I wonder if it's kind and have those debates, but I think at this time, uh, AI does not possess consciousness, <clears throat> yeah, it seems. So even without consciousness, what does, what does ethical AI look like in your mind? Well, you know, I think you go back to some of our most basic ethical um, commands, right? Do no harm. Treat others the way you'd want to be treated. Um, I think those are important things. I think, you know, you can recognize it when you see it. If AI is being used to create political chaos, like, you know, through algorithms like they were in the 2016 election, well, clearly, you know, that's a selfish uh, use of AI because you see all the chaos that resulted from it. Um, anything that, you know, goes into the realm of, you know, uh, spreading falsehoods or, uh, uh, yeah, falsehoods, lies, uh, you know, uh, deliberately uh, distorting things, right. you know, that that's, you know, we shouldn't have those things. And, you know, as I was talking about in the sermon, you know, uh, the people who are creating AI, you know, they have a lot of responsibility um, to the greater public mm -hmm. about these things and, you know, their values, we don't really necessarily know a lot about their values right. and, and um, it seems like because Silicon Valley is such a secular-minded place, they you know may not uh, consider the great wealth of the you know five thousand, six thousand years plus of um, human ethical uh, conversation yeah. considerations we've been having through our you know philosophies and religions, right. and so you know we need to pay more attention to that.
Fascinating stuff. Reverend yes. Mark, thank you so much for coming today. Absolutely. And for giving us a lot to think about. My pleasure.